Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Normally. High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27, does it again. For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field. And it's gone! He went to Jared! Way This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. And on this episode, we are going to talk to Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register. We're talking about the Angels, the Angels' first half of the season, and also get into his new book that he wrote about Shoyo Otani. It's called Showtime, the inside story of Shoyo Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Available now, um, hard copy, or like I did it on Audible online you can listen to on on your phone on your tablet or anything like that so we are going to get to that interview in a second i just want to review real quick the quick two game series against the la dodgers obviously this series did not go the way the angels or the angel fans really expected to do not even really showing up and the last time i was on here i was talking about the astros series and how you know if one or two things went a different way it could have been a sweep by the angels because they played them very close all the games came down to the end and for this series against the dodgers couldn't be more opposite it seemed like it was over quick and the angels were never really in any of these games which is very disappointing going into the break you're hoping that they would carry some kind of momentum going into the break to come out of the break with when they start up at the end of the week against Atlanta in Atlanta, another team that are playoff hopefuls in the playoff picture right now and honestly are playing really, really good baseball right now. And it's going to be another really tough test for the Angels coming out of the break. So the Dodgers series, like I mentioned, seemed like it was over from the beginning. Uh, both games, you're looking at the the only run being Brandon Marsh home runs, one on Friday, one on Saturday. So I guess if there is any kind of bright side to it, if there is anything to kind of hang your hat on, is that Brandon has been really struggling over the last month or so, probably a little bit more than that. And for him to get two home runs on back-to-back days, maybe that's a sign of something going forward. Maybe that's a sign of him finding, figuring something out and something that can propel him to have a better first ha- or second half of the season. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of good stuff uh, during this series. Pitching struggled. Uh, off, obviously, offense struggled. Dodgers 
Clayton Kershaw almost having a perfect game deep into the game on Friday. Finally, Luis Renjifo uh, breaking that up. And Luis Renjifo has been a very good uh, player as of late for the Angels the last you know month, maybe a little bit less than a month. So, again, maybe that's something going into the future uh, during the second half of the season to kind of keep an eye out for. But other than that, it, it doesn't look great for the Angels. The Angels are going to finish the first half with a 39 and 53 record, which is crazy to think last year. And we talk about this with Jeff Fletcher uh, during the interview that the, the team last year with all the problems the team had last year, they were hovering around 500 at this same point. And for this team coming into it, thinking that it's going to take the next step forward and how it hasn't is, is very, very shocking. But again, the LA Dodgers, uh, show again that they are a different kind of baseball team than the Angels. Like I, I'm going to be honest, and as an Angel fan, yeah, you don't want to like admit that kind of things or, or like, you know, want to say it. But looking at the teams, looking at the way they played each other, looking at the farm systems, looking even watching the futures games today on Saturday, seeing some of the Dodger prospects on there. Obviously, Kai Bush was in there. He had a very good outing, but you start hearing about these other prospects and other teams and teams have multiple guys in this futures game. And granted, it's not the end all be all, but it's still nice to have multiple representative representatives in the game. And it showed the lack of angels depth. The fact that they only had one guy in that game. So hopefully that's something that can be built to the future. We also talk about that in this interview with Jeff Fletcher. So I have kept talking long enough and this is a very, very great interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. But here's my talk with Angels beat writer, OC Registers, Jeff Fletcher. I'd like to welcome back past guests of the All Angels podcast. You might read his stuff on the OC Register. And now, most recently, you might be able to read a book he wrote. We had him on last time when it was for pre-sale. Now it's available, Showtime, the inside story of Shoyo Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played jeff fletcher how are you doing pretty good how are you there it is right there (laughs) right there imagine looking at a book there you go there you go um we'll get to that in a second because like i mentioned last time i had you on it was in pre-sale and now it's out for like you had the hard copy and how i listened to it on audible so we'll get to that in a second first off angels uh lack of a better term what the hell (laughs) <laughs> it's been a little bit of a disaster for sure yeah um, everything well, that has gone wrong could go everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for them essentially what has been the biggest in your eyes issue because it seemed like early in the year they came out you know with they're gonna make the playoffs they're one of the hottest teams in baseball you start seeing them in like in the in the power rankings of a lot of different you know uh mlb espn all that stuff what happened well, I think the biggest problem was their uh, hitting kind of dried up. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. One, uh, they lost Anthony Rendon. Uh, Taylor Ward, remember, he ran into the wall and then he couldn't play for a little while. And then when he came back, he wasn't the same. You know, just you know, missing a week of at-bats is not good for you. Uh, <laughs> Mike Trout went into a big slump. Uh, I think they really kind of losing David Fletcher caught up to them because although he wasn't a great offensive player, he was a guy who put the bat on the ball and kind of moved the lineup. 
And uh, Andrew Velasquez, for as great as he is defensively, doesn't really do that. He strikes out a lot. And, uh, you know, Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele, neither one of them really caught on and, and did well. So all of a sudden they're just having a lot of trouble scoring runs. And what, the, what that does is that has a carryover effect to the bullpen. So, you know, the bullpen ended up blowing a lot of games. You know, officially they blew a lot of games, but a lot of these were just, you know, where they had a three to two lead because the offense just didn't give them any margin for error. And, you know, it just doesn't take too much to blow a one run lead. And, you know, they just didn't have enough games where they were up six to two instead of three <laughs> to two. And and that's what happened. So obviously another big thing that has happened this season is the um, firing of Joe Madden. Um, obviously that came in the middle of a 14 game losing streak. The angels were going through. Have you seen or felt any kind of difference in mentality coming from the managerial spot since that move? No, you know, I'm not a big believer that the manager has a huge impact, uh, on the, the way the players play. Um, I think that the major league players pretty much are who they are and, uh, you know, they're going to have ups and downs, but those ups and downs aren't necessarily controlled by the manager or the coaches or whatever. It's just baseball. So uh, I don't know that if they'd kept Madden, they'd be in any different spot than they are now. So who knows? And, and you mentioned a little bit about the coaches. I, I know you probably seen it on your Twitter. Um, fans giving a lot of heat to, you know, the pitching and, 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 and hitting coaches. And you've you've followed the game for a while for a long time. You've been around the game for a long time. How much? And I've always was curious about this. How much impact do you think coaches, hitting coaches, pitching coaches, have on major league? I mean, these guys are you know in their thirties, they're grown, they're developed. How much impact do they have on on developed players like that? Yeah, I don't think there's a lot. I think that it, normally there's going to be players that that click with a coach or don't click with a coach. And if they don't click with them, they're going to just kind of do their own thing. They all know what they need to do. And if the, if the coach is not helping them, they're just not going to use the coach. They're going to rely on what they already have, their past experience, you know, maybe outside people that have worked with them. So, I mean, these guys are all basically responsible for their own careers. They don't just put their career in the hand of some coach. So, uh, you know, I think that the, the coaches do the best they can. They have a really hard job. And, you know, they might not be maximizing every single bit of every single player, but I don't think any team's coaches do. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's up to the player, you know, to to get the advice and help that he needs. One of the things, too, that's been really standing out this year more so than others is just the struggles of Mike Trout. You don't necessarily ever see him go on long droughts like he's been this year a game here two games here three games here but there's been prolonged droughts it felt like I mean, if from a fan look watching games is there something to that is it health obviously he's out right now with back spasms um but is there any kind of like lingering health issues or is this just a guy getting a little bit older i mean i think that that could be what it is you know he's he's 30 he's gonna be 31 in a month less than a month and uh that's not the same as being 25 and he's still great. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we talk about how he's have these slumps and he's having a disappointing season. He's still like got yeah. the highest OPS in the league. So that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. And this is kind of at his 
sort of at the bottom, you know, then once he can, gets hot, then it's going to go back and he's going to have the third highest OPS in the league. So, uh, you know, if that's your range of ups and downs is between the third and 10th best player in the league, it's pretty good. But, uh, you know, as far as, you know, him just being what he was when he was 25, I mean, that's just not going to happen anymore. The question is, how long is he going to be really productive to where he's a, you know, elite player and i think he's certainly got several years left of that and for the most part he's been relatively healthy this year and i think or been playing at least i don't know how healthy he is but like behind the scenes but he's been playing a lot more this year than last year obviously and and do you find it surprising when you look back at the 2021 record at the all-star break and they were hovering around 500 at the time and now as we record they're 39 and 52 with like i said a mike trout playing a lot more shohei playing like he did last season does that surprise you at all yeah i mean really last year's team uh, i know a lot of people were upset about last year's team and the record but it could have been a lot worse if you look at what happened you know the bullpen uh was kind of a disaster outside of iglesias the starting rotation was a total disaster like everybody got hurt uh you know except for Otani and then at the end, Sandoval and Suarez, the rest of it just didn't happen. You know, Bundy, Heaney, uh, Alex Cobb got hurt a lot. Um, uh, Quintana, you know, anyway, last year's rotation was was bad. Way worse. And uh, still, for them to win the number of games they won, and the lineup was seemingly on paper worse last year. So anyway, I think last year they kind of overachieved, and this year uh, they're sort of underachieving. They shouldn't be this bad either based on what they have. So, you know, I, I think they're going to play better in the second half and they're still going to end up probably somewhere around what they were last year or maybe a little bit better. But, uh, you know, it's it's still not enough games to really judge where they should be. And you mentioned the second half of the season. The next, I guess, after the All-Star break, the next biggest uh date on the calendar would be the, the trade deadline in early August. How do you see Perry attacking this trade deadline? Is it going to be very, you know, is there going to be big movement or is it going to be like little moves here and there? I mean, I think the only big move that could happen is Noah Syndergaard getting traded. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure. I don't know that the angels are going to get like a huge haul for him. Right. It's going to get anybody super excited because, He's going to be a free agent, so he's a rental to begin with. Plus, he's been, he hasn't pitched in two years, so the Angels have been giving him extra rest all year. He's not thrown a single game on normal four days rest. And any other team that gets him is most likely just going to have like a regular five-man rotation, and they're Good going to point. want him to pitch on four days rest. And they're also going to want him to pitch deep into October because that's the point. And uh, you're going to have to be a little, you know, you're going to be a little unsure of – how he's going to be able to perform and all that. So uh, I think there's, there's going to be interest. There's going to be some teams that are going to want him. He's going to be an upgrade for some teams, but no team is going to give you like a, a know, haul. their number two prospect for him or something like that. So, and I think that's the best the angels can do. I don't think they have anybody else that's really going to move the needle, uh, you know, on their farm system. And as far as adding players, you know, obviously they're, they're not going to add a rental player just because of where they are. But maybe if they could, you know, everybody obviously would love to see them get like Frankie Montas or Luis Castillo or somebody who's going to still be here next year. It's just really hard for me to imagine that they have the farm system to make a move like that. They just don't have enough prospects that people like to to be able to do that. So I think people are probably going to be kind of disappointed 
at the trading deadline that there's not a lot of movement, but I just think that's the situation they're in. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. If I'm if I'm one of those teams with those high um, valued pitchers at a trade deadline, I'm waiting for calls from you know the Dodgers who have a really good farm system. I'm not waiting for a call from the Angels because, like you mentioned, the farm system isn't to that caliber yet. Is Perry- you know, even if the Angels and Dodgers say could, let's say they had the prospects to give up for for Luis Castillo, the Dodgers are going to give it up for two postseasons, and the Angels would basically be doing it for one for 2023. Right. So is that really as good a deal for the Angels to do that? That's a good point. Uh, yeah, because yeah. where, where you're at right now, even though there is that third wild card spot, and I know that kind of just shifted everyone's kind of mentality about it. You, you know, you can barely get in, but you're still into the dance. But yeah, you're like, you're right. Are you willing to kind of risk all that stuff for a possibility at a uh, playoff berth this year? And and like you said, the Dodgers were, are almost guaranteed to get in at this yeah. point in the season. Perry has had, I feel, very limited resources, if you will, going after free agents. But how do you feel his job he's done so far at the GM job? Well, I mean, he clearly miscalculated uh, their need for offensive depth going into this year. And, uh, I mean, I don't know that you could have said, all right, well, let's instead of signing uh, Lorenzen, let's go sign – fill in the blank, some infielder for, for, you know, $7 million, you know, that they're probably not a lot better. You know, they're probably still, cause now they would have an extra hole with Lorenzen and we've seen yeah. the, the trouble they've had at the back of the rotation and Lorenzen, although he just got hurt, he'd been, you know, pretty decent for most of the time. And so now that's a bunch of, you know, that would be like 12 extra starts that like say Jaime Berea would have. Probably. Right. So, they'd still have problems. There's nothing that he could have done differently that would make them, you know, hunting down the Astros right now. They might be a little better, a little better spot for the wild card, but you know, uh, their, their big problem is just their young players, not producing enough, you know, basically Marsh, Adele, uh, you know, David Fletcher getting hurt. Um, that's what their biggest problem is more so than things that, that Perry did. You know, so, Griffin Canning also being out too is it's a thing. Chris Rodriguez being out. I mean, there's a, there's a yeah. handful of guys that seemed like could have made at some kind of impact this year. Right. Health and health Jose Suarez was really good last year, and they had penciled him into the rotation. And uh, maybe that's a little optimistic, but you know, uh, he certainly showed signs last year that he was going to be a legitimate big league starter. And this year, he's been pretty inconsistent. It kind of seems like looking back at Perry's moves, you know, last year was his first draft as an Angels GM. And everyone, the whole narrative out there is they have no pitching. They have no pitching. He goes out, drafts 20 pitchers, signs 19 of them. This offseason, the narrative kind of was they they still have no pitching, but their bullpen's bad. Their bullpen's bad. And he goes out and spends a lot of money on on the bullpen. It just is that kind of like a not a red flag, but just kind of like, wow, he's going to overdo it, whatever. I guess the narrative is and doesn't look at the whole picture. I mean, I think that, you know, if you'd asked uh, most people, they would have agreed that they needed pitching yeah, um, as their number one thing. <clears throat> and it seemed like they had enough offense, you know, but I think like so we were counting on things that just didn't happen, like Fletcher being back and better and, and Adele and or Marsh being better. Rendon healthy. Um, and Stassi, 
we haven't talked about Stassi yet. We were counting on Stassi being more at his level. He's had a bad year. So uh, there were just a lot of things that maybe were maybe optimistic to hope for, but they were there. And the pitching really wasn't. So I can see why they did the things that they did. Um, you know, you just have to you have to make choices if you don't have unlimited resources. And right. those are the choices they made. So obviously one of the big news now, and, and I don't even know how real they are, but fans like to talk about certain things. Shoei Otani right now, Angels have him. His contract runs out at the end of this year, but they have another uh, arbitration year next year for him. Do you see any kind of situation where the Angels move him prior to him being a free agent? I think there's only one scenario where that happens, and it requires two things to happen first. Uh, first, they need to be 100% sure they can't resign him. And they need to get to the deadline next year, July 31st, 2023, with zero chance of making the playoffs. If both of those things happen, then I think they could trade him at that point. And at that point, you know, there's going to be two months left of him. You're not going to get any difference-making, right? franchise-altering you know, thing for him, but it's just going to be better than nothing. But until then, I think they're going to, they're going to really try hard to resign him and they're going to really try hard to win. And even if they can't resign him, they're still going to try to win. So even if he tells them say in January of 23, he says, guys, sorry, there's a zero chance I'm resigning with you. They're going to go, okay, well, we're still going to try to win this year. So we're going to keep you and enjoy you and try to win in 23 and sell tickets to honestly, yeah. to have <laughs> you come, people come see you play. And then maybe at the end of 23, you've changed your mind. Or maybe at the end of 23, we won the World Series and we can say goodbye to you at the parade. Either way, that's better than trading him and, and losing the chance at, at any of that. So uh, the short answer to that is I think there's about a 0.003% <laughs> chance that he's traded. And one of the things that, again, in your book, Showtime, uh, that I really enjoyed when I was listening to it or reading it. I don't know what the right <laughs> word for that is, but Consuming was cons- there you go. I, I like, yeah. That's why you're a writer um, <laughs> is the recruiting process. I loved how you went into details about the recruiting process, about how he came, when he came over and how Sosha and Epler had a very big part of that. Well, now obviously both of them are gone. Epler in New York, Sosha on a beach somewhere. Um, does that, hurt the angels in your opinion trying to work a deal to to re-sign him well i mean i don't know it it seems like he has gotten along pretty well with with everybody else uh that's been since you know obviously joe madden you know had a huge role in you know releasing this great unleashing in 2021 (laughs) By, by the way they used him. So I'm sure Otani certainly liked that. Now, obviously, Madden's gone. But I think that uh, Madden set the blueprint now that basically the way to get the best out of Otani is to just keep your hands off him and let him do whatever he thinks he needs to do. So I'm sure that if it's next year, if it's Phil Nevin or whoever, whoever the manager's going to be is going to have that instruction, don't mess with Otani. And right. I think that Otani is going to know that. And I, I don't think that... I don't think that the manager uh, is going to be a deciding factor for him. What, how do you feel about that list? He had a list of teams that he had 
you know, didn't want to be really on the big market. He preferred the West Coast. Obviously, the ALNL thing doesn't really matter anymore because of the DH. But do you think he still kind of has that list in the back of his head where he there are some areas of the of the nation he still wants to play in and some not so much? Or is it kind of like, I made a name for myself. I'm here. I know I can do it now. I'm open to play anywhere. I mean, I wish I could answer that. But he's, you know, anytime you try to ask him a question, even <laughs> – hints at like big picture long term he just says i'm not thinking about that i'm just trying to to win as many games as we can right now so we don't really know what he truly in his heart wants uh it may be the exactly the same as it was in 2017 it may be very different we don't know uh but i but we can look at 2017 and go you know at the time he picked the angels they were coming off a bad several bad years yeah. in a row so if he in 2017 was most interested in winning the world series, he would not have picked the angels. Right. Right. Uh, we know that uh, the amount of money that he could get was pretty limited in 2017 and he could have waited a couple of years and gotten way, way more money. So I don't think money was like the most important thing. So now you fast forward all that to the end of 23. We don't know what his priorities are going to be exactly, but I will say that every player says, I want to win. That's yeah, the most important that's... thing. I want. <laughs> they all say that, yet free agency comes around and they don't just all sign with the Dodgers and Yankees. You know, Manny Machado signed with the Padres. Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies. Robbie Ray signed with the Mariners. Uh, every was... year there's, there's really good top free agents that do not sign with teams that have this great winning tradition. And they do it because of, one, money. Money. And two, just because they like the people, they like the atmosphere, they they feel like they're going to be treated well, they think it's a good place to live, they like the ballpark, they think the ballpark is good for their performance. You know, School there's so many reasons besides just like, I want the best chance to win the World Series. So, you know, in that sense, I think the Angels still do have a chance to keep Otani. I, I, I was trying to think of that one pitcher who signed with Colorado years ago. and Mike uh, Hampton. Mike Hampton. And asked him, oh, the, the, the schools. schools. The schools. The schools are great out here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So everyone wants to be a winner, but when you have that bag in front of you, it's kind of hard to uh, turn, turn it away when it's life-altering, generational. Yeah. Altering and there's a, there's also not teams that can, like, guarantee you you're going to Right, win. and it's baseball. Except it's for, like I said, the Dodgers and Yankees and maybe Astros no, yeah. are the only teams that you can go, hey, you can put it in ink. We're going to be good every single year. Other it, beyond that, it's you know it's a risk. Yeah, and talking about like those three teams: the Yankees, Dodgers, and Astros. The thing that really stand out to me is with the Dodgers and the Astros, especially, is the farm system. Always seems like when they lose guys, they're just hey, there's this Pena kid in the in the farm system, bring him up. Or you know, with the Dodgers, there's this May pitcher kid, uh, bring him up. You know, yeah. Uh, in your eyes, you you know Jeff Fletcher, the GM, how? is the ideal situation to building a team from all the baseball that you've seen and all the people you've talked to. Yeah, that is a hundred percent true. And that is something that I tell people so many times they're probably sick hearing me say it, but the, the, the narrative around the angels, a lot of fans is they don't invest money in pitching. They don't buy the right players in November, December, January, right? You've heard that from everybody, yep. mm -hmm. but why are the Astros so good? The Astros are good because they have a great farm system. And when that great farm system allows them to A, trade for Garrett Cole, and B, when Garrett Cole becomes a free agent and they don't want to pay him anymore, they go. can go, all right, 
See you later. Because look, we have Framber Valdez, we have Christian Javier, we have all these other guys. They can sign Jake Odorizzi, and then when Jake Odorizzi is no good, <laughs> it's like ah, whatever. We have all these other young guys. They can let Carlos Correa go because they got Jeremy Pena. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> they can let George Springer go because they got Kyle Tucker. That's what the Angels do not have, and that is not uh, any quick fix that Artie Moreno can just push a button and write a check. Uh, that's just something that's going to take time. They've got to improve their farm system. They've got to draft much better, and uh, they've got to develop much better, and I don't know the quick answer to that. Uh, I don't think it takes like forever, but it doesn't happen overnight. Right, and to for the for an Angels organization, um, a farm or a minor league team to finally win some kind of a division championship, like the Trash Pandas did this year for the first time since I think the number was like two thousand and like sixteen or fifteen or something. You know, a while a while ago, I think it really shows the lack of depth. So you went to the All Star game last year. We're at the All Star break now. And you got to follow around Shohei Otani, and you talk about it in your book as well, in Denver and, you know, home run derby, starting both ways. How was that experience for you, just kind of following and kind of watching a little bit from a distance? Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I think the the thing was, you know, I've been to a lot of all-star games, and this was the first one I went to where there was really like one star headline character to the play so to speak to where you know you go around at the media day and uh the media day is like this big sometimes it's in like a hotel ballroom last year because of covid it was outdoors it's like in a big courtyard and all of 32 all-stars are sitting at tables one by one and people just walk up to them and ask them questions and walk away and uh you could pretty much just walk down and listen and everybody was asking about otani Everybody was asking every player on both leagues about Otani. And that was just a really cool thing. And this is not even just me that was asking the questions. This was like, you know, people, some guy from the Baltimore Sun was asking a player from the Pittsburgh Pirates about Otani. So that tells you what the nice the scope was of him uh, and his appearance at the All-Star game. So that was really neat. I don't know if it's going to be the same this year, just because now, you know, he did it last year. But uh, still, you know, people, it's still going to be a big deal. And, and you, obviously you've seen that. And you kind of mentioned right there the maybe it's a big deal, maybe it's not. We'll see. But do you think they have that kind of attitude too when it comes to the MVPs? Like last year was crazy great and, you know, all this stuff. He got the MVP. He got the commissioner's uh, award. But this year it's like, oh, he's doing it again. It's still great. It's still crazy when you look at the numbers. But do you think it's kind of like, okay, we've seen it before. So let's let's see what, you know, Judge is doing or whoever. Yeah, that's a great question. I think we have to get a little closer to find out how people think about that. Um, I think that I think the voters have done a better job in the last 10 years of really sticking to their performance and not going so much on the narrative. And I think the, the narrative is like, you've got to pick a guy on a winning team. You've got to just take the best player on the best team. That's, you know, sort of a narrative. And another narrative would be like, oh, you don't want to have the same story that we had last year. We want to write a new story. So the people that would lean more towards that narrative sort of based voting might not want to vote for Otani again. But I think for the most part, the voters are just looking at the performance. And if Otani is the best again, I think that he's still got a good chance to win again. If there was a midseason vote right now for for MVP, does Otani win the MVP? 
I really don't know. I think it would be close. Uh, Wouldn't be unanimous, obviously. Probably like no. I don't think it would be unanimous. But I mean, he's leading in WAR, so if you got the highest WAR, then you're on the short list, and uh, <laughs> he would certainly be up there. It would it would help him somewhat if the Angels were not so terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I know it shouldn't really count, and it doesn't count as much as it used to, but it, it still helps. Yeah, it still <laughs> helps. Uh, yeah, we're talking about um, Showtime, the inside story of Shoyo Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you too about just writing in general: if there was another baseball player active right now that you could do this with, like follow around for a season, get to know him, his background, and all that stuff, is there a player out there where you would jump at the opportunity of doing that with? I'd like to write a book on Mike Trout. I mean, he seems like a, <laughs> yeah, a that's a good, good one topic. in the back same backyard. Um, yeah, and uh, you know I've covered Trout for since the second year of his career. There's nobody else that's covered him as much as me. I mean that was one of the things with Otani that it sort of marketed as it's like nobody has covered more of Otani than me of any of the U.S. journalists because right. I've been there through the start, and it's the same with Trout. So uh, the difference with Trout is I think that you really need for his career to be over to get the full scope. It's going to be like a Jeter thing, right? Like that Jeter thing's coming out, you know, and so, but it took forever for it to actually get there. Yeah. 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 So I think the trout, the story is best told when he's done playing. The reason that you could tell the Otani story when he's not done playing was because it was really based on the one historic year. You know, this is not a story of Shohei Otani's life. You know, it's not really like even a biography of Shohei Otani. It's a story about this one greatest baseball season ever played with background that leads into that. Right. Exactly. So, and that's what I liked yeah. about it too. Cause I, like I said, when I was, when I was consuming the book, I, um, <laughs> it was a lot of, it was like background information that like it, it's ancillary. It's, it's not the main story, but it's good to know. It's good to kind of have some kind of substance to it. Not just, Hey, here's this guy that came from Japan from, you know, for us out of nowhere and just totally tore it up. But no, he was doing things in, in, in Japan that was, was, one of the stories that I found was really funny when he was a kid, they made him hit uh, to the opposite field because they didn't want to lose any more of the, 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 the baseballs. And it just kind of something like that out of necessity now, you know, is a huge benefit for him. Now it's just, to me, that was one of the funnier stories that I, I found myself laughing about. It's like, yeah, Hey, hit it the other way. So we don't have to keep on buying new baseballs or going in. I believe, what was it like a, a stream or a lake or whatever that he would, that he would hit him, hit him into. Yeah, and that, that's really like one of his best strengths is his opposite field power. So that's how you know when he's like in a slump or when he's going right is when he starts hitting the ball to center field and left field. And, you know, when he's really locked in, that's where all the homers go. So, yeah. So one of the last questions I wanted to ask you on here, and again, Jeff Fletcher, thank you very much. Uh, I, I how, First of all, how, how has been the re, uh, reaction to the book? Now that it's out on hard copy and obviously the digital copy has been out for a little while now, What's been the what the overall reaction in your eyes? Well, to be honest, uh, you are pretty much the first person who has yes. consumed the entire book and let me know about it in English. <laughs> um, because there's a big, uh, there's a big yeah. <laughs> there, uh, the Japanese book came out like uh, a week before. So here, by the way, for the people watching on TV, here's the Japanese book. I saw that when you posted that on uh, your it's Instagram. Cool. That was pretty cool. That was pretty neat. Pretty cool. But anyway, um, like it's not really officially released until the day of the All-Star game. So oh, that's wow. when people are really going to get it in their hands and start reading it. Because you know, not, not as many people you know, listen to the book. And probably people were not all aware that the, audio, the uh, audiobook was available already. 
So anyway, I, I still haven't heard a lot of comments from people who actually read the whole book. I had, I'd sent out advanced copies to some other writer friends that kind of skimmed through it and read parts of it. And they did, you know, some of the little blurbs on the back saying about how great it is. So, but you expect them to say the book is great. You know, <laughs> that's why I'm sending it to them so they can tell me it's great. So, but, but you, somebody who didn't have to tell me it was great liking it, that's, that really is nice. Yeah, to I guess, I, yeah like I said, I, it's, it gives you a lot of good information about it. And like, I feel like, the, like I said, the recruiting process was really cool to hear and it makes you think now about this upcoming free agency or pending free agency for Shohei. Is it still the same? Is it different? And you have something in the back of your head to kind of look at, like, I guess, hints like, Oh, he's actually thinking about going to New York this time before he wasn't really thinking about going to New York or whatever. So that's, that is a lot of fun. Is there nerves with it now that it's, it's out on audiobook? you said, but, like you said, the hard copy in the part of the majority of the people aren't going to get it until the all-star game or all-star break and then read it. Is there any kind of nerves about, Ooh, are they going to like it? Do they not like it? Or are you just like, yeah, this book is awesome. I don't care what anyone says. Well, I mean, I'm anybody who does anything is usually hard on themselves. And uh, like, as I, I could sit here and flip through it and I could tell you 10 things that I wish I would have done differently about it. And uh, I'm sure the readers are going to pick up on some of those 10 things and they're going to like criticize me for them. And, you know, even though they're, I'll know they're right, I'm still not going <laughs> to like hearing it. But I think right. hopefully for the most part, people uh, like the book. And uh, I, I just hope that the, it's a positive reaction. Again, that's Showtime, the inside story of Shoyotani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Last question here. We are the all-star game, all-star break, all-star game, home run derby, all that stuff. So if you had to pick eight hitters right now active, could be healthy, could not be healthy, uh, but to make your dream home run derby lineup, what hitters would be out there? Oh, man, that's a hard one. First of all, I'm not really a fan of the home run derby. Oh, uh, wow. I think it's way too long. I think that it even would with the Even with the new time limit? You know what? I think the time limit is – it doesn't make the event any shorter, first no. of all. And it – really wears the guys out because now going harder there's a, an incentive to just try to swing like a you know as many times as possible in a short span and so that's why you see the guys just get so exhausted whereas if you just you know you had 10 swings you can kind of catch your breath between swings and relax so i don't know that the time limit has been a good thing uh i would rather so who, are just, your, who are your best home run hitters then active right now then let me yeah, put it that way okay um Obviously Stanton. Yeah. He's probably the best pure power hitter anywhere. Um, Otani, obviously, is a pretty good pure power hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't really think about that. Really? Uh, yeah, you, you stumped me. That's a tough <laughs> is there is there ever a time I obviously the, the thing I I remember is Otani out in Seattle last season we put it like in the fourth deck or whatever and <laughs> that was pretty funny to listen to the audio version cuss when you quoted sam blum and he the talked only, to the-, the only uh swear word in the whole book <laughs> yeah and uh but is there a home run it doesn't have to be like otani but something you saw in person where you're just like i have to see the measurements on this thing because it just flew yeah um i want to say uh, there's a few of them. Uh, believe it or not, Andres Galarraga hit a homer in San Francisco way back a long time ago when I was covering the Giants. 
that went like to the last row of the bleachers in left field in San Francisco, which is that, and, that, and you know, there's a, a big glove up there. Yeah. And it says it's like 501 feet to the glove. Nobody ever hits it. But uh, that was the closest I've ever seen a ball get to that glove. And wow. that was uh, quite a shot. And uh, Mike Trout hit one in Oakland. That was uh, – there's those little, like, luxury – I don't want to use the word luxury suites for <laughs> Oakland Coliseum, but there's, there's suites. <laughs> and there's windows there. But then there's a row of seats above that in center field. And he hit it into those seats. So that was pretty far. And I remember, too, one game, I think it was Gallo when he was with Texas, hitting it almost to the very oh, yeah. top of that batter's eye at that was off Stadium. Richards. Yes. Yeah, and that I thing just – I have that. Was, I think that is the longest homer that's been hit at Angel Stadium since I've covered the Angels. It was like and, 490. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was all the way up there, and you don't see that very often at all. So, yeah. Jeff, again, thank you very much for jumping on. Congratulations with the book. Again, I really enjoyed consuming the book over the last week or so. Um, you know, go ahead and where can you where can they get it? What's the easiest way they can get it? Uh, the book Showtime, the inside story of Shoei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Uh, I would say that the easiest way is to just uh, Google Showtime, S-H-O, Time by Jeff Fletcher, and then all the online Merchants will come up, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, whatever, wherever you choose to uh, buy it from, then it's probably the easiest way. Uh, Amazon, I know a lot of people like because everybody's got an account there and it's just like <laughs> one click and it shows up really quickly. So that's probably the simplest. But if if you don't want to fund Amazon, you can buy it from somewhere else like uh, Indie Books, Bookshop.org is more of a, a small independent yes. thing. That's probably the easiest way. Uh, like Barnes and Nobles might be hit and miss because there's so many books out there that physical bookshop, uh, bookstore, even like Barnes and Nobles is not going to stock every single book. So you might want to call ahead uh, to see if your local Barnes and Noble has it, uh, you know, right away on the 19th if you want to get it quickly. Or uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm having a book signing on uh, Sunday, uh, the 11, uh, 17th in Tustin at Arvita book company. So there's information for that. If you go to my uh, Twitter and click on my bio, there's a link to, uh, to give people information on that. Again, Jeff, I really, really appreciate it. Congratulations. A lot of, a lot of fun talking baseball and um, you know, hopefully there's more stories to write about in the, in the second half of the season for the angels. Hopefully they play a little better because this is kind of uh, tiresome, all this, the way they're going right now. So. And you've been around there for all of it. <laughs> And again, I want to thank Jeff Fletcher for his time talking about the Angels, the Angels season, his book. Again, that's Showtime, the inside story of Shoei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played out now. He told you how to do how to get it. Google it. Um, like I said, too, the way I did it, I listened to it on Audible. It makes it very easy. You can plug it in on your ride to work or your workout or whatever and listen to it. It's a, about an eight hours worth of audio on that. So that's not that bad. Uh, but again, I like to thank Jeff and I, I really liked his insights on a, what and I know it's just a rumor and I just kind of mentioned it in the, in the interview, like what the, the rate would be for a Shohei Otani or what, or what would it take or what would be the scenario that the angels would trade Shohei Otani. And he was very open about that. And he doesn't see it happening unless a couple things 
don't work out. And you're kind of seeing that now with the with the Juan Soto and that whole contract going on, how the Nationals offered him a huge deal or what looks like a huge deal and him saying no. So we'll see what happens with Otani going forward with it. But he seems pretty comfortable in saying that the trade part of it probably won't happen. I, I couldn't agree with him more We're talk- we, when we talked about the the way you build a team and a lot of people are upset with the angels and what they're doing right now. And guess what guys, you don't build a team through free agency. You don't build a team by buying players and having them fill giant holes because there's a good reason why there are um, free agents. Either they're coming off of injuries and they have something to prove or they are a little bit older and their old team does don't feel like they're worth that much money. And if the team that's invested all that money and all that time in, and grooming them and making them who they are don't think they're worth that kind of money anymore. I think a lot of times that is a red flag. Yes, there are times where it works out and and it works out for the team great, but I'm sure if you go through the history of free aging signings, you'll find more disappointments than you do surprises. And that's just the way free agency works. And the Angels need to kind of punt on that idea for a while. I, I honestly think I know they're a quote unquote high revenue team, but if if their idea of making a contender is based off of who they signed during the offseason, I think they're doing it the wrong way. they got to stick to the plan where they're doing right now, and that is building through the farm system. We mentioned it, Astros, Dodgers, teams that can spend money, but they also spend it right. And they when they let guys walk, they are able to fill in the holes, and then they can add a Mookie Betts or Justin Verlander as like a cherry on top, but that's not the team. The team was built before they got there. So... We'll see what happens. This second half has to be better. I cannot see it being any worse than what it is right now. So, again, go out there. Check out Jeff Fletcher. Follow him on Twitter. Um, Check out the book. Again, a really, really good book. And I think it does help get an understanding of what this recruitment process or this this option of or this chance of re-signing Shoei Otani to an extension and what this might look like as far as, you know, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and the whole recruitment process of process of it so definitely check it out um again thank you jeff follow him on twitter our next episode we're going to have another beat writer on and that's going to be rhett bollinger of the of mlb.com again a guy that's been on here a number of times we're going to talk to him as well about the angel second half going into the future trade deadline perry his plans and you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that going forward and you know these guys are the best guys to talk to because they are around the team so much and especially a guy like jeff fletcher who has been around the team for years now and you, and you heard it he says he's the guy who's covered mike trout the most because he's been there the longest and that's really cool he he knows what he's talking about and so does red bollinger and i can't wait to have him on on the next episode look for that episode to drop on tuesday uh tuesday morning to kind of give uh, a little break between this one and and that one so again thank you guys very much for listening hope you guys enjoy your all-star break hopefully the angels are able to put a better foot forward if you will in the second half and at least make it respectable at the end of the season remember this is baseball it nothing is guaranteed nothing is ever promised and you know i I know people are tired of losing but at a certain point you have to kind of build it down or break it down before you build it back up and we'll see if the plan of perimenagin works but unfortunately we won't know that for another couple years so we have to be patient and and see how this goes and if you're going to jump ship now, I, I don't blame you, but you know there's something about 
staying in there through the thin years so you can enjoy the good years just as much. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. Again, uh, thank you, Jeff Fletcher. Check out his book, Showtime. And looking forward to talking with Brett Bollinger about the sec- the first half and looking into the second half. So I am Dan Garcia. This has been another edition of the All Angels Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.